Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Atlanta Sports Guys with you guessed it, the Atlanta Sports Guys, Garrett Chapman of ninety nine The Game. Garrett, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic, man. Another day of high school football. Another Great. day. Are you going to Parkview? Are you going to the Allen Monitor tonight? Because that's where the nah. GPP game of the week is. Uh, no, generally, no, generally we let them have the game of the week, so we don't, we won't follow around the game of the week necessarily. Mm. We'll go t- t- check on games that didn't get that on because they're they're already distracted enough, you know. Mm-hmm. So we, I'm going down to Sandy Creek at East Coweta. So I've, I've are you going nice, to Coweta or Sandy Creek? East Coweta. So mm. I got a nice hour trip in the car ahead yeah. of me. So I am. Uh, Super excited about that, but it should be mm-hmm. a good game. I mean, it's a 7A versus a, a consistent 3A power, Sandy Creek. They're really good. So um, just talk to talk to the coaches, and they're, and they're looking forward to it. It's going to be a good game. There you go. Uh, Max Markovich, uh, how's Padilla doing uh, this season? Is the, things looking good for the Padilla? Still unbeaten for the Still Padilla unbeaten. Pythons. Are y'all the they Pythons? Have, there's no football team. That's no, the, but are yeah. y'all the Pythons? Is that the mascot? Yeah. I never knew that. Are they re- the Pythons? You don't see that very often. I was going to go Paladins. It felt like a Paladin type no, deal. No, no, come on. We, we, there's no inv- invocation of religion in that uh, direct way. Let's just That's let's true. just say that. Okay. Um, no, I'm 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 mentally preparing for JJ McCarthy Day tomorrow. Mm. And a 51, 51 and a half point favorite Michigan Wolverines. Incredible. Uh, Do they cover? I'm not going to bet it, but I also wouldn't <laughs> bet. I wouldn't bet against it. Hawaii is absolute dude. No, if if Vanderbilt can beat them sixty-three to ten or whatever, then I'm I'm pretty confident that Michigan. I would lean on the side of that they cover rather than not cover, but I'm not going to yeah. put my money there. Hmm. Well, uh, y'all are playing in uh, some snoozers this weekend, Hawaii and Sanford, uh, while the Tennessee volunteers pick up the slack for America and all eyeballs will be on ABC at three 30 as Tennessee Big travels game. to pit. Big game. Big game. I, I love that matchup between Keaton Slovis and Hendon hooker. I love that race to 40 points. I love it. I mean, be a I, I be have a Tennessee game. 45 pit 24. I think, uh, they're going to jump out to 24 a points. Here's the thing. They love to run the football, and Pat Narduzzi would rather lose by double digits running the football and doing what he wants to do than win the way they won last year. Double digits, uh, win season, uh, top 10 offense. They just threw the ball around the yard last week. They had worked for him. Two yards a carry. They were, what, 30 carries, 50-something yards total? They were running the football. Keaton Slovis under center a lot in that game. I don't know. I'm not nervous about Pitt. I'm not nervous. They're going to be a good game. I'm excited for that game. It's time to bury him. Bury Pitt. Let's go. I am so ready to kick the shit out of Pitt. I am. (laughs) I'm ready for it. Can I just say, I feel a a heightened obligation this year to watch um, the top end quarterbacks and like really pay Mm. attention and have formed opinions on them. And so I'm actually really excited for, I mean, beyond just, I think it could be a good game, but for Florida, Kentucky, and just Mm. like to see the Anthony Richardson show, Will Levis, form opinions on these guys i was watching film breakdowns on cj stroud like i'm serious on uh on having takes on these guys uh just for falcons purposes do we i mean i'm bryce hooker, or can hendon hooker play himself into a first round pick no how, t- how tall so. is he uh he's sneaky tall he's six four yeah he's pretty tall he's he's pretty lanky i i'll, I'll give tennessee pit a, a watch i don't know man I, I was a, he's a sleeper for heisman and i think he's gonna build up some serious hype i don't think he's he's not a nfl 
dude necessarily. I don't see that in him. But I mean, shit. I mean, he, he well, you three, can't really win the Heisman quarterback unless you last year. You never know. You I mean, Tennessee would have games. to win the East. Like, yeah, they would need to. Well, they need to make some noise certainly. And I think I, this this week he could put himself on the map. ABC three thirty. I don't he think this is the game. Person. If he gets he in the Heisman conversation, name. he outduels Stetson and beats Georgia on the road. Like that's oh, how he gets in the conversation. I agree. Uh, I have to we'll say, see. I'm really excited for the Bryce conversation when it yeah. comes to it. Of just like he's such an outlier in so many ways, and I think he's awesome. Like he's everyone thinks he's awesome, but like a guy that size just doesn't succeed in the NFL. And like to see whether he is the outlier. Um, in one way or an outlier the other way is, is interesting to me. Like, I, I don't know what to think yet, but I'm excited. I'm partially convinced every single time he runs the football that he's about to be split in half. <laughs> every time he runs the ball, I, I just, and then he just pops back up and he's just mm-hmm. completely fine. Like even when he was playing Georgia last year in the, in the national championship game, he would get destroyed by somebody. He just popped straight back up. And he was completely fine. It was just the most incredible thing. But I, Max, like you said, you can't do that in the NFL, not with any consistency. Hey, no, Max, I mean, do we want to reveal yeah. what you did this week? You're wearing I was the... going to say, I was literally going to say, I think this is what you're talking about. The reason we're talking about all these quarterbacks is because I put in a wager of the Falcons who have the worst record in the NFL. Oh, really? Gary I didn't mean, check just... the group, did he? Oh, I did not yeah. see this, Gary. I have not looked. Four, four to one, Falcons have the worst record in the league. When did you do that? Oh, my goodness. How do you feel about it? it? Do you feel gross? Um, did you... Do we have to like feel kind of dirty. Can, I be on- yeah. can I be honest? I mm-hmm. honestly think it's strictly an objective play. This is not an emotional hedge. This is I'll mm-hmm. be I'll be so happy if this team finds a way to win seven games and Arthur Smith looks like the truth and we have some answers. Like I'm not rooting for this to happen. I think the Falcons have the worst roster in the NFL, and mm-hmm. I'm actually not sure it's all that close. If you really really look at it, like what are the most important positions in football? start with quarterback the Falcons have a bottom five quarterback situation and I like Marcus Mariota bottom five to number one in preseason is, quarterback ranking I think sure yeah that is sort of non-debatable for me um the Falcon what's the second most important um edge rush mm. do they have any sort of anything there uh even if like Ebiketti and some of those guys like hit quote unquote they'll still be a bottom five unit in the NFL and then the other one is offensive line and I don't think any of us are very optimistic. Well, we'll get to that because they're I know we're going to talk about for this that. week, and we have. I know to we're going to talk about that. But Jalen Mayfield scraped by and is still on the team, and that doesn't portend great things. They don't exactly seem. We'll talk about this too. But they don't seem super enthused about the center situation. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get to the offensive line like that. That's a big yeah. part of this because that depth chart was kind of wild to see what we're going with on Sunday against the Falcons or against the Saints. I just think like it wasn't like an emotional hedge. It wasn't like a, oh the Falcons are gonna suck this year. Like let me just do this. It was it was really like I think the Falcons are have the worst roster in the NFL. And I think if they overcome that, it's because the coaching is really good, which I think is a good sign. But I don't know. I don't Listening know what Barnwell here. this week on his show talk about like the Falcons. Like he he mentioned that the Falcons were six and one in uh, one score games last year, and that is like the biggest thing in the NFL that doesn't carry over year to year is performance in one score games. And the roster got worse <laughs> than a year ago, yeah. and a lot of that was Youngway Koo, who was just awesome and hit a lot of big ones. I mean, the Saints obviously was a huge one last year hopefully jonathan vilma is not on the call for saints falcons this year and i don't think that uh, should ever be he's case. he called every other damn game 
but he just can't call like it's just he's a saints guy like he cannot call saints falcons like we can't do this he was he was rough he would call like he called like falcons panther he just seems like he was always on falcons assignments and he hates the falcons yeah it was so obvious it came through every broadcast can't do it gotta get him out of there uh nothing against filming personally just uh, no i mean like he's 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 a good he's good at what he does i mean don't get me wrong but it comes yeah. through, and you can hear it. <laughs> Let's also be clear on the roster. Like, this is no one's fault other than Thomas Dimitrov. Like, it, it they're, they have to be bad because, like, half of the cap space is in dead money. Like, mm. it's an insane amount in dead money. It's I think it's an NFL record. The highest cap hit in the NFL this year is Matt Ryan on the Falcons, who is not playing on the Falcons this year in case we needed to remind. I, I just think, like, it, it's, it's inevitable that you're going to have a roster this bad when you're just taking it on the chin for a year. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not very. Well, Garrett, what is your prediction? Because Max just revealed his season. Oh, the season predictions. Yeah, we're we're starting off here. So, Max, what do you have? Worst record is that two Uh, and fifteen. Three, three and three and fourteen. Three and fourteen. Okay, Garrett, what about you? Uh, I mean, just looking at it, I can see four wins potentially. I, I, if 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 we talk like a truly Herculean effort by the coaching job, like if Dean Pease really elevates this group and and Marcus Mariota has a resurgent season and there's so many things that have to go right though. That's the problem. Like, I, I don't, I, I love Tyler Algier. I love Cordero Patterson. I think this rushing attack is going to be a lot better than it was last year, but it's not going to be so much better that it's going to win this team a reasonable amount of football games. Like mm-hmm. wide receiver, Drake London. I'm really excited to see him. Kyle Pitts. I think he's going to be one of the most dynamic players in the NFL still doesn't make this a top 10 unit, much less maybe not even top 15 in the NFL. I don't even think, I think that'd be an accomplishment if it was top 15 because how bad this offensive line is. Four wins, five wins. I think I could see them getting to to five just because Arthur Smith is a good coach, but I'd say four. I'm just going to hedge it right there in the middle. I think Max is right. I've leaned, I flipped a little bit and I... (laughs) It's crazy to think because 17 game season, like, can you really see a scenario where it's like they're the worst team in football? And I think the worst team in football is two and 15. And I think two and 15 is possible. Like if the injuries add up quick and this offensive line is an absolute dumpster fire from the start, this season goes away, goes awry just very, very quickly. And then we're just like tanking in the the locker room knows you're tanking everyone in the organization knows like we're done like we we packed it in like Kyle Pitts is going to get some hey Kyle uh, just go ahead and uh, take this week off your knees kind of bothering you a little bit uh just go ahead and uh, take care for for a couple weeks like we're going to get to that point very quickly where we're not going to have a lot of fun Falcons football to watch the last two months I'm worried and then it's just like okay we'll see what happens but I think a lot of it will depend on what Mariota looks like out of the gate um, how much of an instant factor Drake London is out wide because, dude, eliminate Zacchaeus is going to be a starting wide out for this team. Kadero Hodge is going to get some important snaps for this team. Um, but, I think that's a key, I, but there are winnable games. Of- well, that's a key point is like we can talk about and, and I can make the upside case here too. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can I can sort of speak it into existence and say this is how the Falcons somehow get to six wins. And I, I could see that. But the number one thing that hinges on is health because – you know the roster want bad. six wins do any of us want six wins if the choice is like well, two wins okay. or six here's like my, we're all going to right? get four wins and we learn something about this team then that's far I think, better i think that's hmm. the key is if we get six wins it's because arthur smith's a really good football coach and like i hmm. think that that is really valuable um but i think 
part of the thing is like the the depth just is not there. Like mm. if you suffer any real injury, I mean, we're talking we're talking Pitts or you know Terrell or Grady Jarrett. Like it gets really scary, really, really, really fast. And so I, I just don't. It's it's football. Like guys get hurt and. You know, part of part of being a really good team is being able to withstand that. There's the Falcons, as currently constructed, are going to be a bad team. Mm-hmm. If they face any sort of adversary, adversity, it's going to go downhill quickly. But I'm looking at this schedule, though. And it's like I, I think the I think the legitimately the Falcons could beat the Saints this week. I, I think that's very realistic. Just week one, because you never know what's going to happen week one. I could see that, yeah. And then, but the thing is, then you go west, and and what the Rams the Rams are going to come out with a, bla- a raging fury against the Falcons next week, and that's going to get ugly. And then try, to, try to imagine this interior of the offensive line blocking it's Aaron, Aaron Donald. Donald. I mean, oh my God. But uh, that I'll Rams say offensive the, line looks horrific too. Look I don't bad. know. Stafford was bad last night. No, I don't know. A, Falcons are a get right game for them. The Falcons are yeah, definitely maybe. a get right game. The Bills are the best team in the NFL. And with a dominant pass rush mm-hmm. to add into it, that makes them very formidable. And they're playing catch up all day. But no, I mean, but then they play the Seahawks. And I think if the, the Falcons win on Saturday, on Sunday, rather. Mm. They have a chance to win in week three. You can leave this month two and two, and that looks pretty good. But the problem is then you got the Bucks, Browns, 49ers, Bengals, and God. And then, <laughs> then you split with the Panthers. Chargers, Bears is winnable. Commanders is potentially winnable. I, I, Steelers winnable, maybe. They could have fallen apart by then, but I doubt it. Saints, you're definitely not winning both, if, if one at all. Ravens. Cardinals and Bucks again. I mean, four wins though, like, is reasonable. All those games are theoretically winnable, and all of those teams still have better rosters than the Falcons. <laughs> like, if you just Most evaluate, do. yeah, I will agree. Yeah. So it's like they're winnable, but are they? Is there a fifty percent chance? Is there a forty percent chance? Uh, and, and yeah. I, I just do think there's a real – we should temper our expectations because there's been a lot of hype in the preseason, and I think some of it is very warranted about what we've seen. But I think there's a really good chance we, they come out week one and we're like a quarter into the year – like one quarter into week one and we're like, oh, right. Like this defense can't stop anyone and there really isn't enough talent here to hold up offensively and the offensive line's really bad and we have one real weapon. And we have Mariota who – I'm fairly optimistic about, but optimism is still a bottom third quarterback in the NFL. So it's not going to be as ugly as it was last year. I, I think it's going to be a little better than that Eagles game that was just a yeah. unmitigated oh, disaster. Where it's like you leave that game, you get blasted, and then you don't learn a damn thing about your team because you were just run up and down on the field. I think it'll the be game better was so frustrating than that. too because it was just they just kept it was little by little. It was that just was oh, it was such an ugly game. That, that was, was so ugly. The Pats was the worst. The Pats on Thursday night football. Patriots was embarrassing. That was that embarrassing. was soul crushing. Like that <sighs> because then it's like, but but the thing is, it's like people forget this Falcons team mathematically was not eliminated from the playoffs until like week fifteen, yeah, or something, which is absurd i mean we were all in the bills about. game that weekend was incredible like the falcons are there's a real yeah. case where they should have won that game like they yeah. should have beat the bills in buffalo like an absolute insane but season last one year. one other thing is like this is we're, we're officially going to be launching into our first season without matt ryan and that's re- rubbers hitting the road and we're really going to see what we're missing and, and whether or not like marcus Mariota in this new system with with, with a, a mobile quarterback at the helm, we'll see how much of a difference it makes. But we're really going to learn 
what we had in Matt Ryan. Cause we're going to go see you at Indianapolis. What are they playing Houston? They're mm. going to beat the brakes off those folks up there in Indianapolis. And, and look, the national media hype for Matt Ryan is probably going to pick up some steam here down. And we'll, we'll see what it is down here in Atlanta, but I, I am, it's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting start. I, I think it'll be a little nicer of a start than it was last year, but that's also not saying all that much. Are you guys ready for the national TV Colts games when they start talking about how bad Matt Ryan had it his whole career in Atlanta? And it's like the Matthew Stafford effect. And yeah. we're just like sitting there, like just pissed Matt Ryan off had the whole a better time. Oh, admittedly. You know, look at that upgrade from Jalen Mayfield to Quentin Nelson. Like that's pretty good, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. That <laughs> offensive line is actually, this is probably the best offensive line he's had in his career. Best yeah, running I mean, back he's it's, had in it's his career. Perfect for him. If he's still got it, it's perfect for him. Yeah, I hope he does. I mean, I'm wishing him the best. I'm not, I'm not going to be cheering for the Colts or anything, but we'll see. I'll, I'll root for him. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'll have a rooting interest, I guess. I'm not going to be a fan. I'm not going to be out there buying a Colts, Matt Ryan. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not one of those guys. I'm not like one of those writers that we Line, saw the for Lions the Atlanta sports team who is no longer an Atlanta sports writer because of it. But oh. that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Flames. Um, let's do our Saints prediction. So... What and jumped out to me was I didn't realize just Marshawn Lattimore is a Kyle Pitt stopper. Like PFF in their preview, like highlighted what uh, I think like two catches for Kyle Pitts against Marshawn total. And they're going to put Lattimore on Kyle Pitts. And the way that the size match up there is like Lattimore is actually one of the few DBs who can actually match up with Pitts and give Pitts problems. So when that and a healthy Lattimore that jumped out to me, like Michael Thomas still kind of iffy on his health. So we'll see what that what that means but i mean peter king has the saints in the super bowl in his uh preseason pick uh for uh nbc so like uh, just a variety of takes on how they're going to be in their first season post sean payton but week one new orleans atlanta garrett your official prediction for how this game goes and your score for this one ah i mean i don't think it's going to get ugly I said that the Falcons, it's a for the Falcons, it's a winnable game. I don't think they're gonna win it though. <laughs> I've, I've gone on record saying I don't think they're gonna win this game. Um, I don't think Marshall Lattimore covers Kyle Pitts. Uh, if, if Drake London plays, he needs to cover Drake London. Because if he if he starts the game on Kyle Pitts, then he's gonna end the game on Drake London because we've only saw Drake, we saw Drake London for one drive. I think we're really going to find out a little bit more about him this week. I hope he can play just because, I mean, just get a dose of reality with this Saints defense and actually see him for a full four quarters. I really hope to see that, but I'm based off of what AJ Terrell said this week in practice, Drake London's going to be playing. And I think that that'll help at least a little bit, but this, this Saints secondary is really good. It's really good. Um, I can see this being close for three quarters and then the Saints putting it away in the fourth quarter. Um, can they keep them under 30 points? I don't think so. I think it's going to end probably just spitballing 31, 31-21, maybe 31-17, something that's your final score. Saints 31-17. Okay. Max, what about you? Yeah, I agree with all that. I, I, I'm curious to see if the Falcons can get the run game going early. I think that will be a point of emphasis because if if they can't and uh, are putting a lot of obvious passing situations and you got uh, Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport coming at Mariota and challenging these tackles, and it's going to get ugly. Um, 
but I, I I do have some degree of faith that the offense can like I think it's very possible that at halftime we're like okay this is a functional offense um mm. I don't have that hope for the defense I don't think the defense is going to fare very well I think we're going to be infuriated that Jameis Winston's like nine of twelve for you know and just carving things up I think they'll probably hit a couple deep shots like I I think it's going to be one of those games where we're like infuriated that we can't get a pass rush and the offense is showing some signs, maybe settle for a few field goals and ultimately lose by about, you know, 10 to 14. Um, like, I mean, it wouldn't stun me if we, if we got blown out, um, it wouldn't be like shocking. It would be very discouraging and certainly not portend great things for the rest of the year. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll say 34, 17, uh, saints. I, I think it could be one of those games where it's close and, sort of close, but never really feels like we have much of a shot. One thing I am actually interested in is how the Falcons fare in the red zone. That was an mm-hmm. area of, of serious concern, at least for the Matt Ryan era. Um, with Marcus Mariota, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Edwards, I mean, like all of these big bodies, plus Cordero Patterson and Tyler Algier in the backfield. I want to see them have some success in the red zone. And we saw a little bit of it in the preseason they look good. I mean, good enough, but it's also preseason football. And I don't want to take too much from that necessarily, but it's an area that, that Atlanta struggled with in the past. And if you're going to win a game like this or be in contention, you have to finish in the red zone, especially at home. You have to finish at home. And if they even want to have a chance, they have to do that. So I want to see what they can do. I'm interested. Kyle Pitts needs more than one touchdown this season. So, and that starts with his play. That'd in the be nice. area. That would be very nice. I'm actually going to take the Falcons. Both games mm. last year were close. Like the Falcons lost by a point to in the season uh, this uh, past year. They obviously go to New Orleans and win that one. Yeah. Uh, the 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 um the long time series is actually 53-52 right now. Have you all seen that? That uh, Atlanta the leads the regular lead season it. series by a game. Yeah. yeah, just a game. So if they lose this one, they're back to being tied uh, with the season series. I just. I look at this Kamara. We'll see. Um, there was the whole whether or not he was going to be suspended for the first six weeks of the season that was looming over them for the whole offseason. No, Michael Thomas, I think, changes a lot of stuff for them. Uh, I'm not convinced about their tackle position. Like, uh, Taron Armstead is no longer uh, on this team. He's down in Miami. Um, they're one, the one they drafted was like getting into fights and everything and going through some issues. So I don't think their offensive line is going to be as strong as it was a year ago. And I just. I think it might be a little bit of an acclimation post Sean Payton. I, I think there might be an offensive drop off potentially. And I think that will keep the Falcons in this one as healthy as the Falcons are going to be all season long. I could see the Monday afternoon conversation being, are we sure that Falcons might not be a frisky like, wow. And then it's like, we're one and seven uh, very quickly. <laughs> but this week one is like the Falcons Super Bowl a little bit because the Rams are looming next week as we discussed. I could see the Falcons getting up to play spoiler at home right out of the gate here. Um, so give me the Falcons 27-24. I hope you're right. There's nothing, there's nothing better than beating the Saints. I, yeah. I love beating the Saints, and I want it to happen. Yeah, I, I, you know, obviously there's no like, oh, I hope. There's no amount of like, I hope, I hope we lose so that we mm-hmm. tank. Nothing like that yet. I will say that like I remember last year after the Eagles just like put it on us. Week one, I was just trying to caution everyone, like, trust me, like, the Eagles' offense isn't that good. Like, the Falcons' defense is that bad. I could see that with the Saints game. Like, I think 
I think a lot of that, like the tackle stuff, like those tackles are, are probably are not going to be challenged big time by the Falcons edge rushers. Like I'm, you know, you can be optimistic about these guys all you want. I don't think like a rook, rookie Arnold Epichetti is coming in and wreaking havoc week one. I will say Lorenzo Carter is a name that you, we got to keep in mind. I think Lorenzo Carter, if he plays the way that he played down the stretch for the Giants last year, five sacks in the last four games, that would have been, that would have led the Atlanta Falcons last year. And I think he can he can probably get a sack or two in this game. Just take advantage of the of the because they have the the left tackles on on IR, isn't he? Uh yeah. yes, I think so. Yeah. So and then they lost Toron Armstead, and then and Ramchek's a stud. But mm-hmm. look, I mean. Uh, maybe a sack or two. I just want them to keep this close to make it interesting. That's what all I want to see from them. And I think, call me crazy, I think they can do that. And I don't know, Deion Jones. I wish he was playing in this game because whenever Deion Jones plays against played against the uh, the Saints, some magic seemed to happen. But no, oh well. First start for the new secondary, uh, the two new safeties, Richie Grant and. Uh, Jalen Hawkins. So maybe one of the mixed plays. Maybe Richie, Richie Grant. Grant's Let's go. awesome. Richie yeah, maybe Grant. Richie Grant. Get on the Richie Grant train. There you go. I like it. Uh, Drew Dahlman, we should mention, will be starting at center in this game. And uh, Elijah Wilkinson will be starting at uh, left guard. And I put in our notes when I was going through this, looking at the, the lack of depth on this offensive line is astounding. And I just... Lack of starting bit. talent is astounding, oh too. God. What do y'all I make mean, of Jalen Mayfield? Obviously, had a rough preseason, so he—they're yeah. not going to roll with him at left guard. They're going Wilkinson, and then Dalman out of nowhere, off the top rope, taking the center job. What would we make of those two spots, Max? Did it did it feel a little bit like it was a, a shrug at center? So we'll go with the guy we drafted instead of the guy we didn't <laughs> draft. I to me, it was like Arthur Smith's comments reading between the lines was like, "Well, we got it." We got to pick someone, and I guess <laughs> I guess we'll go with Drew. There was who they it's claimed encouraging. Um, yeah, yeah, super encouraging. They claimed um, the the tackle from the Jets. I what's it, I forget his name off of waivers, and there was a whole like, oh, is he coming in to compete to start over McGarry? Mm-hmm. And Arthur Smith was like, it's had to like put that to rest. McGarry's uh, a tease pretty good. Yeah. Um, hmm. no, no, uh, Chuma yeah, Doga. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, he's competing with Jake Matthews at the left tackle spot. I thought, well, we're just I behind hope, him. I, yeah, Emergency. I Cause I think if any swing Terry on the right side, he's I think a swing he's a tackle. tackle. Yeah. yeah. Regardless, like <laughs> I don't think they feel, uh, super great about anything no. over there. And we know what Jalen Mayfield looks like. And at this point, it's kind of a matter of when, not if he is, uh, off. The Who team. was the other guy we did that we did the flyer on? Was that Carpenter? Who was that the Jets offensive tackle that we ran in uh, a couple years ago that we were piecing together the offensive tackle spots or guard? Do you remember what I'm talking about? The Jets player from a couple years ago. It was either Carpenter or Brown. Maybe it was something Brown. I don't uh, remember. But there were a couple. Of when did Mayfield go on IR? I completely missed that. He was on. He was with the group when Deion Jones and everybody when they made the cuts. Oh, so he he's... just sort of flew under the radar because. I don't know. I don't know why. He just kind of flew under the radar with it. Everyone talks about Deion Jones. Deion Jones just sort of stole the spotlight. I think Hennessy Hennessy's a kind of an underrated uh bad whiff from the last <laughs> regime. Like it, he was very much like drafted as like the heir apparent to Alex Mack. Like he'll sit a year under Mack and then he'll slide right in and he'll be perfect. And I understand it's a new regime and a new scheme, but like it didn't seem like there was ever 
real optimism with him. And every time we saw him, it wasn't it wasn't very good. Well, I hate now that we're looking at this offensive line, and part of me is like, if this is the worst team in football, I'm still not certain you can go quarterback in the top of the draft next year because of how bad this offensive line is. But like, it, or defensive I mean, line too. Like, just I do think, like, I do think that's the kind of thing. Like, look what the Bengals did, where they mm. they've just sort of pieced it together, and like, it's not like there are no block. Like, they they gave Matthews the contract extension. They have Lindstrom, and they're they're gonna lock him up. So it's mm. like, okay. If Dalman's okay and you got two spots to fill and you can do that through free agency. Like, I don't think it's the kind of thing where you can, you're, you have the luxury of, uh, of reaching for a need in the top. I just don't know how much longer Jake Matthews has. Like, I don't know if the timelines are going to match up with the next quarterback and Jake, like Jake, what is he? Is this, this I mean, he's 30, he's 30. He just signed an extension. No, they gave an extension. Yeah, he's going to be here. He's, he's a left tackle years? for the next, like, four years. Like, no, he's he's going to be a Falcon for a while. He's here. Okay. No, I mean, but like Max said, I mean, like, this isn't this isn't a team that you're going to fix overnight in one draft, probably. I mean, like, this is – we're still a couple – a year or two away from even sniffing playoff conversations, like, legitimate playoff conversations. So, you're not going to go fix this. So, what you got to do is you got to continue going, like they said this year, go best player available and go get the best guy for this roster. And I – we can have those conversations at that, that point, but look, you can fix a lot of this team in free agency and you're going to be looking at opening up 60 million in dead cap, 47. They're going to have $47 million on the books or off, like just in open money that they can go throw at people before they even make any roster moves or any adjustments. So based off of how it just stands right now, they have $47 million. I think it was like over the cap said that. I mean, this team's going to have tons of money to spend. So that goes immediately, instantly from a bottom roster, even at least up 10 spots, right? So, and then you, and you hit on some draft picks and some of these more, some of these other guys continue to develop, hopefully, right? Guys like Richie Grant and, and Jalen Hawk and all these other guys. So we show some progression in year two, and then we'll see you on year three, and then maybe you can take that next step. But I don't think, I think- it's. Yeah, I mean, part of, the, part of it is you can't time when you're going to take your quarterback. Like, you have to be in love with the guy, and yeah. so you have to like t- you have to put your franchise in position to like be able to take him if you love the guy, if you love CJ Stroud, if you love Bryce Young, be in position to take him. But if you're not, be okay with not. And and like do with the like like look at the Lions. I think I think the Lions are sort of a best case outcome for what the Falcons look like in a year, where they were competitive as hell last year. Pretty bad record wise. Uh, had the second pick, did not did not push the quarterback need. Um, didn't force it. They were okay with golf. Golf's pretty deep. Like if 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 you're okay with Mariota, like or Ritter, like great. And just add to a, a good competitive roster, build a culture, and then bring the guy in when when you love him. Um, and hopefully that's soon. But like I I don't think you can predetermine that before you evaluate. Like, do I love CJ Stroud? Do I love Bryce Young? Do I love Will Levis? Whatever any of these guys. We'll see. We shall see. Um, Marcel Azuna heating up down the stretch here for the Braves. Um, Garrett, are you excited? Are you a believer that this is here to stay for the remainder of September? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> I mean. <clears throat> Look, I mean, he's playing good baseball in September, and that's important because this team needs players who can play good clutch baseball. And he's finally doing what what the Braves paid him to do. So, I mean, I'm not going to celebrate this dude just because he's finally figuring something out. 
but ultimately it's like if it comes down to to putting him in the lineup versus Contreras or or, or Grisham or, or any of these other guys, it's a no brainer to me. I'm not. He's a fine bat to have off the bench. He's gonna. I think he's gonna be on this on, on this on this roster come October, and that's what he's playing for. He's playing for his job come October. I, I'm not fully convinced that he's gonna be there yet, but he's just almost for most of the month. Most of the last like three weeks, he's just been an empty. He's been a wasted roster spot. A dude just sitting on the bench because they're not. They weren't putting him in. So eventually, they're like they were gonna have to play him. And I'm glad that he's playing well. And just as soon as as I just roasted him last weekend, that's that's when he starts. Well, you're responsible like, for this, so I appreciate I know, that, and I will continue to roast him if that's if that's what's gonna work. We've you always know? said I mean, bullying works on this podcast. We've always <laughs> bullying been does careful. work. Yeah, bullying mm-hmm. does work sometimes, but no, seriously. But I mean, he needs. He needs to play well, and he's finally playing well. I mean, what is he batting like three forty or something? Four thirty eight in September. He has seventeen plate appearances, seven hits. Part of the reason uh, why the Braves are playing good baseball. Yeah, and they moved him down the lineup, and I think this is a better position for him. And I mean, the the designated hitter is getting very interesting because they have a lot of different guys, especially when Ozzy always comes back. This is going to be a very interesting position for, uh, for Snicker every single week, and it's a good problem to have, as he would say. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I mean, the disparity between when he's up on account and not an account—it's also interesting. Like he's a horrific DH hitter, but he's he's one ninety-five as a DH hitter and two fifty-eight as a uh, left fielder. It's weird. Um, and he's also the best, his best batting third, uh, which uh, is interesting, and eight actually too. So he's batting 400 uh, at the eight spots. Maybe that's where you keep Ugh. him because you slid Michael Harris up and he's just been fine. Michael Harris, you can put him anywhere and he just doesn't seem phased where he's at in the in the batting order or wherever. Um, big series this weekend, though, against the Mariners, um, two playoff teams. So we'll see uh, the Braves right there with the Mets. Uh, Max, do you see the Braves ultimately catching the Mets and winning this division? Yeah, screw it. Why okay. not? <laughs> I, I'm, uh, uh, Play narcos. I, I, Where's narcos? I'm <laughs> to think of the Braves as like one of the. It's like when you think about organizations as a pillar of stability and like mm. just sort of figuring it out, facing any kind of adversity and figuring it out and getting through it. Like I'm starting to think of the Braves under this regime in that way. Like, doubt them all you want. Um, they're going to find a way to build a really good roster, find guys. Um, bring guys up, have Marcelo Zuna randomly get hot, and they're just going to be there. And so I, I think that, like, in the scope of baseball, where you have, like, the mega money giants and then you have everyone else, like, the Braves are kind of just a, a, a pillar of stability in that tier below. Mm. And I think that that is sort of the best thing you can say about Anthopolis and, and the work they're doing is, like, Acuna gets hurt last year. All right, we'll figure it out. Uh, you know, Soroka's not part of the rotation this year. Still gonna have one of the best rotations a bit. Like it's just kind of one of those things that I'm defaulting to their decision making and everything sort of blindly at this point. Yeah, and actually one more thing on that. It's it's the most the craziest stat that I saw. I don't know, it was someone from Battery Power, I think, who would tweet mm. it. Um, it's not even the fact that the Mets are Metsing, you know, like that's what they're notorious for doing, just collapsing down the stretch. They're playing since June 1st. They have what, what an 11 game lead, 11 and mm. 10 and a half game lead at that point. It's dwindled down to 10 games or, or it, it dwindled down 10 games to a half game, what it is now. 
And it's not because the Mets were bad at playing bad baseball. They're winning in that span. They were winning at a 98 win clip. So over mm-hmm. the course of 162 games, they would have won 98 if they had played at that level. The Braves were just playing at a 116 game clip. Mm-hmm. So the Braves just sort of figured it out. I remember we had this conversation in May. You said, because you, you, I remember you specifically said like, oh, this is over. Like we might as well figure it out like whatever. We'll move on. Like blah, 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 whatever. Well, Michael Harris comes up, changes the entire. Hold on, was that at me or was that at Max? By the way, I don't know. I don't remember who it was, and I okay. remember just sitting here telling you guys it's possible. Mm-hmm. Crazier things have happened. No, they're just they've just been the best team in baseball Walter since White. June first. You got me. <laughs> no, but they've just been the best team in baseball since June first, and mm. I mean, look, Max, like you said, it's like just default to what Snickers and and Alex Anthopoulos have have done for this team, and I'll trust whatever decision they make because whatever buttons that they seem to push at any given time, it all seems to work. They called up three guys or two guys from double, double a who, who stopped in, in, in Rome for a cup of coffee. And then they're playing baseball games at truest park and they're beating the crap out of the ball. And there's some of the best players, not it's just for rookies. They've had the, some of the best months in baseball. So look, every button that they to push is seemed to work. So why not continue to trust these guys? It, Except Kenley. They, I'm a little concerned about the Kenley spot going into the playoffs. I'm a little concerned. I'm not that concerned about Kenley. I, I, okay. I think he's got a couple of mechanical things that he's got to figure out. But look, he was he was brought in to be your closer, and he's, he still leads Major League Baseball in saves. It's yeah. just I, I don't want him necessarily figuring out how to get his cutter to get some mo- movement. He, it's the pitch he throws 40% of the time, so he needs to throw that correctly. He just wasn't mm-hmm. getting movement. I don't want him figuring that out in the bottom of the ninth when we're facing someone up one one or two runs. Mm-hmm. I don't want him to see him do that. I'd like to see him come in maybe in the sixth, seventh, eighth inning, maybe, and get a couple innings and, and figure it out because you're not sending him down to AAA. But you have, Ross, of, I have a take on this, by options. the way, with the closer stuff. And Braves fans, I need you to breathe. Oh, yeah. The every, Mets are right Braves with fans. the Narcos team. The Mets win this one. Um, I need Braves fans to accept the fact that Contreras should actually have to give up the song. This is something that I feel very strongly about because Diaz coming out to the <laughs> Narcos team is cool. Like closers are objectively cool folks like yeah. Sam inner Sandman, whoever like coming out of the bullpen when Kimbrel came out, like there is something cool about the closer coming out to some cool music. And that, when you think about that music, you don't want to be like, is that Contreras or is that? No, it's not the DH who's batting sixth in your lineup. No, it's the closer on the opposing team. He I mean, gets, it's just like a ridiculous argument to even begin with. So, like, but like, it's just Braves. Here? Give this up. Let the Mets have this one thing. Like this no. is something I think that they should be able to have it. Like no. and then Alabama's bringing it in. Like last weekend, where the Mets they can't have, have anything just... nice. We can't allow them to have. A we nice can in this world. Just oh, get, wait, like, no, I'm, screw yeah, I'm on Chase's side here. Yeah, no, come on, screw them. What, what are we even doing here? <laughs> Honestly, oh because, look, the whole no the in, whole... in the. The Go Braves ahead. and the Mets are going to play in the NLDS, and and <laughs> Wilson and, and Contreras is going to knock a a game winner against Diaz, and then they're mm. going to play Narcos, and Mets fans are but going see, to that's okay. You can troll them for that. Pillows that's an okay thing. Like, I would months. like that if you trolled the Mets with that yeah, and like the Narcos. Better when you, it's better when you're like, okay, we'll give this up for now, and then you pull it out. Then yes, let them weep into their pillows. I I, I don't care. They will cry. I think every closer should like <laughs> one of the things about baseball. We're making all these rule changes. And look, hey, as someone who watches a lot of college baseball, banning the shifts good. This more stuff in play, more opportunity for errors, like not being able to hide bad defenders is good. Like I want to see balls get by guys. Who you're like, oh, crap, that should not have gotten by this dude. 
um that's a good thing a pitch clock and this sort of thing it's all good these are positive changes i think for baseball and i think for a lot of people like the strategy it's like it's depressing to watch i think also just the mental thing where you see guys move over to that side has got to be just demoralizing for these players where you're just like oh they know exactly what's happening the pitcher's gonna force it to go right here and then that's it like that just sucks like i am okay with the shift getting banned they make it seem like it's like would you ban the zone in the nba would you pull blah, blah, blah. it's like it's different these are you're comparing apples to oranges the zone also got phased out by itself I right mean, it, but that's it's the just thing cool. Baseball, like baseball, like you just play against guys it. have that's to put the ball in field, like in play, and they have to like play this way. I think it's better. I really do. Who's the first pitcher to complain about the pitch clock being the mm. reason that he lost? Is it Garrett Cole? <sighs> Chris Bassett might, because that yeah. dude with uh, the Mets, his uh, his windup uh, takes some time. I no, it's see. not even that. It's the, it's it's one who's just super whiny. Mm. Like Garrett Cole is super whiny, and he's the first person to be like, "Well, let me look. This is they just did this, that, and the other." Just like, ah. Wow, Garrett just going fiery at the New York market this <laughs> oh, afternoon. Oh no, I'm, no, just the Mets. The Mets get me all fired up. They get me. I, uh, I we'll end on this. <laughs> the Hawks. So two weeks ago, or I guess what it's on a Friday. So I don't even what is time. Um, we last talked two weeks ago, but the trade last week, Donovan Mitchell to Cleveland. And we were talking in the group chat briefly, and we'll end on this. Where do the Hawks now fit in the East now that the Cavs have made an all-in move and brought in somebody like Donovan Mitchell with their group and kept in the process, Darius Garland kept, Evan Mobley kept, Jared Allen. Um, where do the Hawks now fit for you, Garrett? As far as backcourts go, or is it? No, team? as far as tiers, like in terms of Eastern Conference tiers now, are they in a separate tier than the top group? Or are they in the same tier as the Cavs still? Like where? Because, I mean, this was the playing game last year. And they're in the some... same tier. I okay. think they're both in that four or five range now. I, I think that's just sort of where they fit in right now. Because I, I think Garland and, Garland and, and uh, Mitchell are going to make a pretty solid backcourt. That's going to be very good. I still think Trey and DeJounte Murray are a better backcourt. Just I just think Trey is the difference there. Just Trey mm-hmm. is the best. I think Trey is the best point guard in the Eastern Conference. It, 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 that's just it, where it stands at this point. So that matters. Mm-hmm. I, I think those – it just – but Max and I have been – we've been talking about this all, all offseason. It's like how quickly can the Hawks figure it out? If it comes in and it's just match made in heaven, then this is a Hawks team that can be top three in the Eastern Conference. I don't think that's out of out of the question, regular season wise. I don't think it necessarily works that way. I think that these are two ball dominant guys, and it's going to be very interesting to see in the early going, especially with those two, the way those two work off each other. And I think Garland and Mitchell, I think they'll feed, they play together right away a lot better. But ultimately, I think but these are two very similar teams. It, it's just that win wise, I should say. They're four or five, maybe five, hmm. six in the Eastern Conference. They're going to play each other in the first round of the, the of the playoffs. I, I would not be surprised about that at all. There will be some ejections if that's how that goes. We that get a seven fun, game series with those two. Uh, there's bad blood. Like there is dating back now a couple of years. The Cavs and Hawks do not like each other. Uh, there is some bad blood between the two of them. Um, and that game was fun. That playing game in Cleveland yeah. was fun. That'd be a um, fun matchup for, for seven games. I think that yeah. give me that. I don't want uh, year two Evan Mobley, though, going up against uh, John Collins or whoever they throw him. I don't think that goes well. Uh, Max, we're, do you agree? Are we in the 4-5 tier? Do you think they slid down a little bit? I think I think saying the 4-5 tier is a little dangerous because mm. there's more than four. Like, 
just name the teams like the four or five tier. I mean, we've Boston, Milwaukee. Well, I'm just saying in that middle of middle of the East pack. That's all I'm saying. When I say that, I don't mean like yeah. literally four and five. I, I, mean, like I, I know. Just it's just like, but when you yeah. start to list them out, it's like, all right, are the Hawks probably going to be better than Boston and Milwaukee this year? I would say no. I would yeah. say they're probably not going to be better than Philly or Miami either. Uh, I, I I don't think I'd pick them against Brooklyn in a series. Um, and I, I think Brooklyn's the better. biggest wild card. Yeah, right. I mean, Brooklyn. You know, Brooklyn could do what they did this year. But, and but I, just fall off the to, planet again. To answer the question directly, like I think Cleveland's better. I think I'd rather mm. be Cleveland, and and I think that that's that's the tricky situation the Hawks are in. Is like I I still think the Dejounte move was the right move. Like I, it it raises considerably the Hawks' ceiling, and like I think that's what we've been talking about all offseason. Is we just won't know this until we see what that ceiling is, mm. and the best case version of that is the best backcourt in the NBA. So like. I, I think you do that move ten times out of ten, but like at the same time, you wouldn't rather. I don't. I wouldn't rather be the Hawks than any of the teams I just listed. And so, where does that leave you? It makes the Eastern Conference extremely good. I mean, gone are the days where the Eastern yeah. Conference. Oh my god! Yeah, the 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 lesser than conference. I mean, the Eastern Conference. <laughs> I mean, we didn't very top heavy. We didn't even mention it Toronto. is top heavy. No, it is very top heavy. But these teams, these playoff teams in the I'm East, not, I'm not sure it is. I mean, like they're good. We just named seven teams, eight teams that are are going to be good. They're going to be well, really I mean, top heavy. But then you look at the Pistons, the Magic, yeah, that's the Hornets. The, the bottom feeders in the really, East really, are really bad, miserably bad. Yeah, but Franz Wagner. Just really in the um, <laughs> no, I agree. But like, the, I think I think the point is like the Hawks could have a good, solid year and and still sadly be a play-in team i don't think that's out of the realm of possibility and i think that would be a disappointment i also think because they're old like this is going to be an older team um and a healthy uh uh, like the healthy group with nate in this team is like you go through it if they win i think they should be favored to win 50 plus games vegas likes them i think they were in the third or fourth spot uh i think Vegas had them what fourth in wins over under for win totals going into the year cleveland Um, or atlanta I could see people just pencil in the Celtics. I mean, there was some awkwardness where Jalen Brown was a little little miffed at the Kevin Durant for Jalen Brown stuff. We need to remember the Celtics were 500 in February of this past year. The Heat are playing with just house money here where they're just gambling on the just wear and tear on Jimmy Butler and the minutes he's had to play and what this group's had to do since the bubble. Like they have been through a lot and there's a lot of minutes and Kyle Lowry has not been healthy enough for this group. And they're counting on Victor Oladipo to be a big part of what they're doing this year. Um, they could fall out of the top four of these. Uh, you're betting on a healthy James Harden and Joel Embiid for 80 plus games. Like we haven't seen that really yet. And what does Harden look they like? They haven't really worked well to together either. Right. They look so, bad in the playoffs. I think there's going to be a surprise at top. Like if the Hawks got the one seed, it would not surprise me. The Hawks could win a bunch of regular season games. If this group's really good and they're a top 10 offense and defense, I could see that. Like Max, you've talked about this all the time. Like the Hawks are going to walk into a top 10 offense, like top 10 offense with Trey. Like it's just going to be a thing. I also just think they're going to be healthy enough. Like I look at this group and who they're going to be able to play with. DeJounte is going to play a bunch of games. Trey is going to play a bunch of games. Uh, John Collins is going to play like you're not losing John Collins for that suspension to start last year where he is active right away. And with that kind of veteran leadership of Collins, Capella, Hunter has now been in this league for a long time. DeJounte and Trey, Bogey, another vet. Like you look at who's actually going to play. These are all veterans who know how to win NBA games. These are all veterans who know how to win on a random Tuesday that they're going to gobble up if they're healthy 
a lot of regular season wins. Like I, I'm pretty optimistic with this team healthy just because of the veteran willpower and what this offense and defense should be, where I think there is a case that they're top 10 in both offense and defensive rating in the regular season. I just do. And, and that's why I think I'm not really sweating this conversation. Like saying mm-hmm. I would rather be those other teams doesn't mean I don't see the upside case. Like yep. the upside case to me is pretty clear is that like Trey is Trey is Trey. He's a top five offense on his own. Mm-hmm. DeJounte is the perfect complement and learns how to play off ball. Trey learns to play with him a little bit off ball. Full season healthy DeAndre Hunter. Um, John Collins doing lots of John Collins things and Nyeka Kongo making a leap. Like to me, that is that is a foreseeable outcome. And that is a really, really, really good team that could be a borderline finals contender. So like saying that th- there are fewer ifs with a team like Milwaukee or even Philly to me. Um, but it doesn't that's why I'm not like stressed out that like, oh, my mm-hmm. gosh, the Hawks don't have a path to a top three seed. They do. And so mm-hmm. I think it's like about to me, it's a lot more about like, how does this all fit together than it is worrying about those other teams right now? I will say that when we talk, when I talked about the DeJounte trade, I talked about it in terms of forming a backcourt of 20, 25 and under guards, all-star guards for the next, you know, five, 10 years, hopefully, right? Cleveland has won up that with their core of young guys. Uh, Garland, you'd rather, I would rather have Garland, Mitchell, and Mobley than Trey and DeJounte. I don't, I don't know how. And I know and Yekka I mean, is still just, just like, the wild card here. Like, I don't know what Anyeka is. Like, I, I agree, just... but the way they're the way the Mobley the Mobley buzz is very like this guy is going to be a top five NBA player. Yeah. So if that's the case, like Cleveland is going to be a title contender soon. Um and Atlanta doesn't really have that. But give me DeJounte and Trey over Garland and Mitchell. I agree with that. But when you throw in Mobley, I mean, Mobley's also the perfect. Can you imagine Mobley with Trey? Like just covering up all of his weaknesses. That would be. I just. Nyeka is still a wild card, man. Nyeka could be a a version of that. But Nyeka is also at this point three years older or two years older than Mobley, at least. Mm. And not as He's still pretty young, though. What is Nyeka? 22? I think he's like 22. Yeah. He's young. But I don't think as far as this year. Earned is like I also think that the the Hawk, last year was a wake up call I think for the Hawks and it was a very yeah it's twenty one by the way twenty one yeah oh uh, wow he's young even I thought he was I thought yeah, he was right. twenty three that's what I'm saying like Inyeka's still the wild oh. card I'm not ready to write anything in stone with Inyeka yet no I don't think but that's the craziest thing with this Hawks team is that you have a bunch of guys in this team nothing's written in stone except for maybe mm-hmm. like Bogey and Glen Capella and Trey Young. I would like, say John Collins at this point's written. John Collins has shown improvement every year of his career for the most part. And some, but what's the next one? What can he be like 40%, like three point? I don't know. Uh, that's we'll improvement. See. I mean, like, I guess defense look, is the one improvement, right? John could get yeah, even better. I think once he still continues to, to, to grow and develop and play better, better ball, I think he's capable of doing these yeah. things. I, I still think he has more of a ceiling to reach. I don't think he's necessarily reached it yet. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that here in Atlanta either. So, mm-hmm. Don't take it that twisted, but I think the I think the Hawks the Hawks learned from their lessons from last year. I think they did. They, they were very complacent last year at the beginning of the season. They just looked whimsical and like they didn't care. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that we see that this year. I think there's especially things that we've seen from Trey this offseason, the people he's training with. He's been out there training with like LeBron and and Steph Curry, and I think, I mean, it's it's little. But I think those those things matter to some degree because Trey really wants to be one of those superstars and he's putting himself among them and he's learning from these guys. And I think that matters to some degree. And DeJounte 
It's right there with him. And I think mm-hmm. that is very important uh, because they're figuring out how they work and play together. And the more reps that they can get, the better it's going to be. And the less of a, a period of, of warming up to each other, it'll be in November. So I, I'm cautiously optimistic. That's why I'm very, I'm confident that they hit that 46 and a half win total. Mm. I don't know if that's even going to be, I don't know if that's going to be enough to, to get you a top four seed necessarily, but I'm like you, I'm cautiously optimistic on this team and I'm very excited to see it. I'm very excited for the Hawks this year. This is going to be a very good team. And at the very least, they're going to be interesting. For sure. Um, well, that's all I've got guys. Garrett, uh, anything you like to plug Doug millennials this weekend? No dopey millennials this weekend. We're back on okay. uh, next weekend. We had two shows this past weekend. So you always mm. check those out. Odyssey app. Um, had our college football game time podcast today. Previewed Florida, ten- Florida and Kentucky, Tennessee and um, Tennessee and Pitt. And then Alabama, Texas. And then we got the show tomorrow, tomorrow morning on 92 on the game. You better not have be picked Pitt. Huh? You better not have picked Pitt. You didn't go Pitt. Oh, did no, you? I picked Tennessee. Okay. I think Tennessee's, this is a coming out game for Tennessee. And I think Kentucky solidifies itself down in the swamp for only the second time since 1979. Interesting. Back to back for Kentucky. And Alabama is going to win by 30 points. Max, what about you on Twitter? Max underscore Markovich. Yeah. Everything I said about the Falcons was a lie. Uh, (laughs) They're going to, they're going to win 11 games, win the division. Um, And let's see Ritter soon. I respect it. MVP year. Okay, cool. That's all. I like it. (laughs) There you go. From your mouth to God's ear. If they win 11 games, Garrett Chapman, Max Markovich, thank you as always. And I will talk to you all, not next week. Next time I'll talk to you, I will have a ring on my finger. Married man. So I'll talk to you all in two weeks. All right, hello. Welcome back. Fred's Power Hour on the local hour here on the Chase Most Podcast on Blue Wire Pods. I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from knoxville tennessee joined at this time my good friends over there in middle tennessee brian baston of on the forecheck brian good afternoon sir how are you i'm doing pretty good the weather's really nice out and sports are back and yeah it's pretty good time to be alive oh the this is just peak uh fall weather we're getting a little bit of that i'm hoping it stays with the wedding next weekend like if we get some cool evenings next weekend i'm gonna be quite thrilled because it's in a barn and let yeah. me tell you, folks, it's it can get hot, and the AC <laughs> questions are running amok uh, ahead of uh, this wedding next weekend. But um, that would be great because, like our our nightly walks with Cleese the dog and everything. I mean, I'm just feeling flannel. Like I've I've already ordered another flannel shirt ready for this. I'm a big flannel guy, big foliage guy. Mm-hmm. Love foliage, and when we're getting this close to going back to Smoky Mountains, seeing all that and. Yep. Woo-hoo. Like one day I'm just going to disappear. People are going to be like, what happened to Chase? And the Chase Homes podcast. It's just, I went up to the mountains and you never saw me again. And I'm just in foliage and in the cabin in the woods somewhere uh, with uh, my wife and uh, all the animals in the world. Um, also here, <laughs> Charlie Burris of A to Z Sports. Charlie, good morning, sir. How are you? Hello, hello. I'm doing all right. Just got back uh, yesterday from the beach, actually. The, the final hoorah, really, of summer. Uh, mm. almost to commemorate the start of fall. Uh, I had to go and get my final uh, stretch in at the beach. Uh, Where'd you go? I'm, I'm good. That, that was uh, Hilton Head Island. Okay. Um, mm. Big, big Hilton Head Island guy. Mm. Uh, and just have always gone there with my parents. Um, and 
Uh, this was without them. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's not a fun. It's good, good spot, to, especially if you are over the age of sixty. There's a huge <laughs> contingent of those folks down there, especially right now. Now that school's back in, so. I remember I went on vacation with uh, one of my best friends growing up. To his family, like, had something in Hilton Head. They had like some kind of condo in Hilton Head. And I remember the whole week I was trying to find stuff to do, and I was like on golf courses, interrupting golf games. So much like, golf. Yeah, yeah, a lot of golf. So quiet though. Like everything was so quiet and just it's something it you appreciate a lot more when you're older. But when you're like 14, yeah. 15, you're like, all right, I need to destroy something and I'm not finding what I need right now. Salty Dog Cafe is not gonna do it for me. It's the exact <laughs> opposite of Panama City. And yes, and when you yeah, when you're getting up to this age, it becomes a commodity. I mean, that becomes mm-hmm. like gold. Uh, but you know, it it definitely when we used to go in, in high school. I mean, I remember me and my best friend used to come with us and we used to sneak into, we would stay in a house mm. and we would sneak into hotels that were around and use their pool and hot tub and stuff. That was like our, our mini rebellion. Turns out they don't really care. They're just like, oh, there's some kids going to use the pool. That's cool. fight the power. Charles. <laughs> yeah. It was our little rebellion, our little silent mm-hmm. rebellion. Uh, Brian, where's your favorite vacation spot? Are you a beach guy, mountain guy? Um, where's your vaca- uh, favorite? I mean, I do love the Smokies. Don't get mm. me wrong. Um, I'm not as much of a beach guy. Even when I lived in Florida, it was just kind of one of those where it's nice, but you know, eh. Uh, you take it are, or leave it. Yeah, I mean, mountains are fantastic. I'm a. It's been a long time since I've left the country. Not since I graduated high school, but uh, going overseas. You know, I lived mm. in Germany and Japan as a kid, and I've been to Japan uh, again since I lived there, and it's amazing. Um, mm. I'd always like to get back to Europe. It's been god 20 years but uh yeah I'm, I'm a travel person because my favorite part of traveling is eating eating the food that's there mm. that's Same. that's pretty much the, the the main draw for any place is like okay we're gonna go eat somewhere really nice and get something really good and that's you really and charlie are on the same page with this yeah and i have a suggestion there if you go to hilton head mm-hmm. uh, go go to this restaurant called farm it's in okay. Bluffton. It's like 20 minutes outside Hilton Head on the way to Savannah. Savannah, also amazing food. But this mm. place called Farm, I across the board, best cornbread I have literally ever had. In my wow. Life. It was unbelievable. It was so, like, I I would preach it from the mountaintop about that cornbread. It was so good, man. So Farm uh, and Hilton Head. Just um, Farm. How did they get that? How did they know that? Like, Farm available? Yeah. yeah, that's fine. We'll do that. Yeah. Yeah, there we're open it. for sponsorship there, Farm. So, yes, you know, please. Yeah. <laughs> sponsor farm from Hilton Head. Um, yeah. I like it. Yeah, that. <laughs> and then you just uh, mentioning uh, Panama City and just what Panama City was uh, for spring break and everything else. I'm trying to. Whoo, uh, where you're just drinking absinthe from a fire hose. Um, well. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, those days are long gone. Those days are long gone, but those were part of the... Oh, my goodness. Panama City. Um, shout out to Pineapple Willies um, and Club La Vela. So before we continue down uh, memory lane of Panama City and our oldness, um, we are actually going to talk ostensibly about the Nashville Predators on the local hour here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, presented by Blue Wire Pods. Uh, check us out on YouTube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. Like and subscribe. All that good stuff as we put every episode and all of our video content uh, up there on the YouTube page. Check that out if you've not already done so. And uh, yeah, so 
rookie camp starts next week we talked about like just the time of year that it is in sports like it's starting to get get and look a little like fall that means hockey's coming back it means basketball's coming back it means football's already here it's the best sports time of year um what uh are you most intrigued by in the invite list front uh for rookie camp brian uh, yeah so it's gonna be actually pretty pretty interesting so unlike development camp which is usually uh guys that are in juniors still guys who have just been drafted uh stuff like that this one's gonna be is a little bit different this is kind of the guys that are gonna probably play in milwaukee may play some time in in nashville this season so you're not gonna see your uh you know uh Kermel, guys like that uh there are a handful though that are going to be there um you know you have a couple of uh guys on tryouts on a- atos uh i think there's what one two three four five of them uh, including mm-hmm. a goalie uh braden holt not braden holtby which is very very weird he's from montana which is which is interesting you don't see a lot of hockey players from montana uh but we're gonna see guys that you know we, we saw at development camp luke prokop uh jack Batier. um you'll get you know, really fun guys to watch. Like um, one of my favorites, Igor Afanasiev, um, one of the guys that is in a, a a Twitter group chat with a bunch of Preds fans. And every once in a mm. while, he gets on and plays like Call of Duty with with like with the other college kids that are in that group chat. Just out of nowhere, <laughs> he just appears and he's like, "I'm gonna play video games," and they play with him. He's a nice guy. Um, guys like him, Luke Evangelista, obviously, he was one of those standouts that I talked about uh, at development camp, where he just kind of seemed like he was on another level. Of course, Luke Prokop, who is developing really well as a player also, you know, has the chance to be the first openly gay player in the NHL. So, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what, what he's going to be doing this season, if he's going to be here, you know, if he's going to be in Nashville at all, or if he's going to spend time in Milwaukee, but I think it's a more of an evaluation period for the Milwaukee coaches. They're going to be there to coach um, coach during this, this part of it. So uh, breaking down camp though, um, rookie camp starts on Wednesday next week. Um, they are going to be holding practices at Centennial on Wednesday and Thursday with this the roster that's online. Um, and those guys will be having an open practice, I believe, at 1 p.m. And then I think on Thursday it's a 9 and then a 1 p.m. Uh, practice. And then the, t- the rookies all head out to uh, North Carolina. So they have the – every year they've got like the rookie showcase – um, and last few years, they've been doing it where they play Florida's rookies, Tampa's rookies, um, and Carolina. So it's kind of like, they call it like the Sun Belt, you know, the Sun Belt teams. Um, and so they'll be down there. They'll be, I think their games, they'll play uh, one team every every day, I think on starting Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So, and I think those games are all at 9 a.m. Eastern time. So wake up early here, 8 a.m. in the morning and watch a little bit of, uh, of the Predators rookies and, and seeing how they look against those other guys. I'm, I'm really looking forward to going out to practice next week. Interesting. That's gonna be fun. Uh, what do you think, Charlie? I am just happy that it's a sign. The, the season is close. If <laughs> nothing else. I mean, my, my question with these always is what exactly to look for and what these guys can do in this camp and this is where your expertise where you're a lot closer to the actual you know reporting Mm -hmm. and and looking out for these things would come in brian but just like what are what are the things that should stand out with a with a uh afanasayev i struggle Mm -hmm. with this name Um, yeah uh, a guy a guy like that where it seems like the the potential for him to play nhl hockey i mean that's it's just probably going to happen so what do you look for in a rookie camp because i 
you know, I, I've said it before. I'm, I'm a football guy. I, I know what to look for in a fall camp. Been there, done that, watched it a ton. But <laughs> how does that translate over to, to hockey? Well, that's a really good question. I mean, again, like this is going to be the, the Pred staff will obviously be there. They're going to be watching these guys. Uh, the Milwaukee coaches are probably going to be taking a closer look. And so they'll probably what they'll do is in practices and these games is is fit the fit some of the newer guys, the younger guys in with the guys like Igor Afnasiev, um, you know, Luke Evangelista, who played AHL hockey a lot last season. So kind of mixing up those lines to get these new guys. And, it you know, unlike rookie camp, uh, development camp, rather a couple a month ago or so. Um, you know, that was just they were just kind of there to kind of make an impression and learn. Um, this one is going to be, you know, how are they acting in like a game situation? You know, are they do they have that awareness? Because a lot of these guys are very naturally talented, but they just need time. You know, the speed of the NHL is is way different. And again, they're playing other rookies, but, you know, these guys are going to need to be out there and they need to be good fundamentally. Um, you know, they need to be able to mesh well with these line mates because basically this is their tryout to be to play pro hockey, be it NHL or AHL. Um, so you're going to see guys who are kind of in between. Uh, Afanasiev's one of those. Uh, Yusuf Parsonen, which he, he's been fantastic. A seventh-round pick that wasn't even in the database in the draft last year or two years ago. Um, he has come along really well. He'll be a guy that I think will be challenging to kind of make his way to, to the Nashville roster. Uh, one of my favorite guys is uh, Joachim Kondalik, which he is 6'7", mm. 232. Uh, you watch him he skates he skates like a like a moose like he's just real big uh pretty slow but he's actually you know he was a guy that you know they they got they brought him in and they're like he's gonna play you know ahl hockey and that's gonna be about it his job is to hit stuff and he's very good at that but he's developed you know kind of well i don't know that we'll ever see him play for the preds um they do preds do like big guys so they may bring him mm. in just for that uh, but he's he's a lot of fun to watch like the last three development camps it's always really fun to spend a good 20 minutes just focusing in on him especially when they're doing like uh agility drills and mm. skating drills and stuff because he's just you know it's like a it's like a baby deer you know he's kind of just like okay i'm gonna do this but he's gotten more confident in his stride and that's the kind of thing that really that, that coaches look for is you know how did this guy look compared to this time last year and it, you know it's all about like decision making things like that like skating uh, strength, that's all stuff that you guys can work on over a se- they can work on over a season. They can work on with the team to kind of get their development going. But it's it's the mental part, I think, that's gonna be a lot of what they're looking for. You know, obviously a guy can come in and and if he's got like a nasty wrist shot or something like that, that's obviously gonna catch people's attention. But you know, they're gonna be it's gonna be them and it's also gonna be a big test for uh Yaroslav Askarov. He's gonna be playing uh, you know, be him and Thomas Vomaka are the two uh under contract that are invited. And Thomas Vermaka is pretty good. He's had a great, you know, he's had a great career so far, um, you know, playing in, in college hockey and then playing a little bit uh, overseas. But it'll be interesting to see because, you know, except Askarov, is he going to be in Milwaukee? Is he going to be in Nashville? What's the deal with Connor Ingram? Um, so it's going to be interesting. I was kind of surprised to see if they wouldn't throw Connor Ingram into this, but I think he's just got too much NHL experience at this point, I think, to to do it so yeah they're going to be looking for guys that are going to set themselves aside or set themselves apart from the from the crowd um who are going to mesh well with the guys that are currently in milwaukee mm. and just seeing if these guys are learning if they're using their heads they're using their eyes and and you know making smart decisions against you know they're not scrimmaging against themselves anymore well you also have a a game against the lightning this time next week uh so with that just right around the corner, who do you expect to benefit the most and who could surprise getting a lot of playing uh, ice time in that one, Brian? 
Um, it's an interesting question. So, uh, Luke Evangelista is, is a guy, I think I mentioned him before he, mm. he did real well in juniors two years ago. He, he did okay in Milwaukee. I think that they weren't necessarily the Preds, uh, front office wasn't necessarily super satisfied with his development. Like not that they were disappointed, but just, he wasn't quite as far along. Cause he seemed like a guy who was a lock to kind of jump into the roster last season. Mm. Uh, but he just kind of hadn't made that second that second step yet. And I think he's going to be one of those guys that they're really going to be watching because obviously he's going to be in Milwaukee. There's no there's no doubt behind that. But, you know, is this a guy? Is this another you know, he's a winger. He's a right wing. So is this a guy that's going to be able to come in and actually contribute? And, you know, he's a f- former first round pick and he's he had 100 points two years ago in, in the OHL. So. You know, you want that to translate, and it's a guy that you know you don't have to be super patient with, or you shouldn't have to be a first round pick. Usually, should be getting in the league here in, in one or two years, and so I think he's going to be the guy to really watch. Obviously, aside from from Askarov, who is always you know you always want to watch him and see what he does. Interesting, um, Charlie. The yep. Preds are going to appear on ten to- uh, ten times on national television this year. What are you most excited? Is there one of those games that fascinates you the most on national television for the press? So I, I saw this. I uh, I came into this semi-blind because I just got back yesterday. Is there a place where there's the full list? Also, I have yeah. my opinions on these national broadcasts. Also. Yeah, I can I can I can read them off to you. There's it's on the Predators website, but okay. uh, th- their first national game. So all these games, uh, some of these games are going to be on TNT, three of them on ESPN and then okay. uh, five or ESPN plus and Hulu, mm. um, including the first the home opener on October 13th against the stars will be on ESPN plus and Hulu. So that'll be interesting. Mm. Um, they've got games against uh, they'll, have, they'll uh, host the Blues second. Um, they'll be at the Islanders on December 2nd, two home games against the Blackhawks and two home games against the Hurricanes. And then they play road games against the Kraken, the Maple Leaves, the Kings and the Golden Knights. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of interesting matchups in there. I mean, what you know, yeah. out of those, what do you think, Charlie? Uh, I mean, any anything against the, the teams at the top half of the league like Carolina. I mean, the it'll be fun to just see the Blackhawks hopefully be a disaster like it seems like they might be this year um that that the blackhawks are done for a while i think they're going to be in the gutter for years you'd love to see it blowing that thing up um which yeah it's great i'm i'm happy for them to do that um but and you know the the kraken it still kind of has a little bit of novelty i guess still a a new team see if they've gotten any better after stinking it up last year um, it turns I, out not being able to do what the Vegas Golden Knights did and yeah. take advantage of this loophole <laughs> makes it really, really hard to be a successful franchise, uh, new franchise in, in sports. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice if you know we could just start over and take you know some of the top players from every single roster? In mm-hmm. the um, but uh, really, the the national games, nationally televised games, it comes down to enjoyment of the telecast. Um, to, to me and some of the national since, since Don Cherry is gone I mean he's the cornerstone and he is no no more is retired um, I it really just depends on almost who's calling the game in terms of how excited I am about it. obviously the matchups are great but we sort of have to see how good everybody's gonna be how things are shaking out that's where that excitement comes in but I just get to see I and I don't know who's gonna be calling the games but I know there's there's one set uh, of announcers on ESPN in particular. And this is 
I swear this is going to be not going to sound amazing, but I swear this doesn't come from a, a gendered point of view, but it is whatever the woman is that they have on ESPN. She's rough, man. There are some great women that call sports. Okay. Some really, really great ones. She's really bad. And I would much rather watch the local broadcast than something like that. And, and it was, it was that way before it moved to ESPN. There was some of those national broadcasts on NBC and stuff where I was like, these guys suck. Like, please just <laughs> let me listen to Willie Donick. Like, and, and as I said, it's not, not like all women announcers are bad. That one in particular, I just, is she, is she foreign? She's, I don't, or is she just Canadian? Which would, I guess would be, we'll <laughs> make her foreign, I guess. Uh, but she just, I, I don't mm. know. It's, it's hard. She's, uh, she's very like dead, deadpan. She doesn't have a lot of like, modulation in her voice and stuff mm. I, as i said some really great women they call sports it does not come from a place like that she in particular is just bad and it comes down to something like that where <laughs> i go like do i i would much rather just see this just put it on with the with chris mason and those guys i love those guys i love listening to them I, and and so that's that's part of it almost more than the matchups uh but that's just my own personal <laughs> feeling there isn't it interesting, like NHL, NBA, and um, other like <laughs> it's different because there's so many games that you're so accustomed. Like it's so hard to be. I think it's a lot more difficult for national folks to call, jump in, and just mm-hmm. call these local teams and act like they know everything that's going on with these local teams. And you're just not. You're going up against a really tough situation where, like Charlie, Charlie likes his guys and he likes yeah. his local coverage because, like there's something about like the time you spend with them, but also just that, you know, that they're watching every minute of Preds hockey and they are, um, they're just, <laughs> they have a, an, an opportunity and a leg up that national folks don't for these kind of sports. So it's like when, when the Braves are on like Apple TV plus on a Friday night or on Peacock or whatever, you're like, Oh, they clearly have not watched the Braves game in uh, all season long. <laughs> and you see that, but it's like, do you blame them? There are 162 Braves games and they have like all these other games that they have to watch. It's just really hard to recreate that same kind of uh, good feeling that you have when you're like, I love Ben Ingram. who has like maybe one of the best baseball voices um, ever. And he calls the Braves in the radio. Like, so mm-hmm. I'll watch stuff on my TV and mute it and then just have Ingram on in the background. Um, but I just, I think it's really, really hard to do. And I think hockey is definitely one of those where, because I mean, there's just a lot of games each week that national folks and they have to just dive in and parachute in on a Preds game. It's like, well, clearly everyone knows, like all Preds fans know, oh, you have not watched a lot of this Preds <laughs> team. Like it's just very obvious very quickly. And then I just, it's hard. Yeah. No, it's, it really is. I mean, cause it's, it is difficult because again, this isn't like, you know, like I can get used to watching like, like the Cowboys, for example, mm-hmm. you know, nine times out of 10, they're going to be on Fox. It's going to be, you know, it was going to be Joe Buck, Troy Aikman. And that's, Joe you know, is so bad. Yeah, he is. He's awful. No, uh, Buck's good. Buck's gets no. bad. He gets a bad rap. Joe Buck's uh, I, I will say, I will say this. I, I do miss, I do. I, I am like the one thing I will miss about the NHL being on NBC. Mm. Uh, I, there wasn't much that I miss about it at all, <laughs> uh, but I do miss, it was like a nice, like, you do something new like you ever go somewhere like you go to a party or something and you like you don't know anybody there but then mm. you spot somebody like oh i remember that person i used to be friends with them that's how uh, kenny albert was when he was calling nbc games mm. so i'm like oh like that's, that's kenny albert like i know that voice like 
You know what's uh, interesting too about him? He said like the Rangers and hockey is his favorite sport. Like that's his jam. Like that is his favorite. It's not football. Yeah. I don't want to admit how old I was when I realized that who his dad was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's, but... uh, have you heard about this? Have you seen this? That, uh, oh yeah, his dad's uh, famous. Like that, like that profession seems like it runs more in the family than any other like sports profession. Cause you got, I mean, I had Noah Eagle on a few weeks ago, his dad, Ian Eagle, they're both uh, already calling games. You go to Albert, you go to Buck, you go to um who else are some big ones right now carrie obviously that they, they just keep going through and chip carry sons sons mm-hmm. plural are both uh in the minors i think uh calling games for different teams so yeah it's just it it's so strange that it just rents to the family and you're like hey like you've been like i, I wonder if they have a choice to not do this because it seems <laughs> like it's just continually they keep getting these jobs and doing it all over over again well, it's nepotism, and yeah, you know, it's hockey. Hockey loves its nepotism. Um, See, I just wouldn't want to do it. Like, I wouldn't want to follow my dad in that profession and like just have to be compared to him for forty years. Like, I just, I would not want to do that. Yeah, well, I, I'm almost, I'm almost a sucker on those national broadcasts for now. Now that it's on ESPN, this in particular, mm-hmm. they've crossed over some of their guys from other sports, mm-hmm. uh, and like Sean McDonough calls some he's always good man underrated sean mcdonough oh man and and he's i mean what he reminds me of for years and years and years and i think this may still be the case he's always called college basketball with dickie v Mm -hmm. uh and that's what his voice reminds me of is like him calling the game dickie v in the background you know being himself and it just like that alone will make me i'll go like okay this is a great you know this this is a Mm -hmm. solid broadcast because i love this guy already it's like inset from another and to bring in somebody totally new is always i'm like leery like okay who's (laughs) who's this who's i don't know if they're gonna be good or not what do they know what do they do but it's it's weird like i i don't even know necessarily like what i love in a broadcast because with mcdonough it's almost nostalgic he's very good but it's almost nostalgia more than anything um so that, yeah, that fact. They had Vilma calling Falcons uh, Saints last year, and I almost threw my TV out the window. Like, I was a uh, sports renaissance woman and was back me up on, came back me up on this, where I'm like, I was in the group chat and everything. I'm like, is that Jonathan Vilma? Why is Jonathan Vilma allowed to call Saints Falcons? This is ridiculous. Like, he's just openly, like, pushing the Saints narrative this whole game. And I was, <laughs> and, and obviously the Falcons won late uh, on a young way coup. Uh, Dacker. Like, kind of like Freaking Jordan Rogers gets to call Tennessee football games. And yeah. clearly wants us all to jump off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah. Speaking of who's what, where is, who's calling Pitt Tennessee on Saturday? Uh, I don't know. It's the three, three 30 on ESP. No, ESPN. it's three 30 ESPN. Isn't it? It's not CBS. Yeah. It's not CBS. Yeah. So I'm not I'm kind of sure. nervous. Who's calling Pitt? Let's find <laughs> out. Let's see here. Three thirty so, on ABC, so it would be one of those top. Sean McDonough and Todd Blackledge. Yeah, there we yeah. go. That's a good. Uh, that's a good. Group. My boy Todd. Yeah, that's gonna be a good one. Yeah, yeah. I like. I like Todd. Blackledge. Speaking of, well, what a nice like we we brought it back to Tennessee football, but there was actually a reason <laughs> for it. Like we have yes. a connection. Sean McDonough. Here we go. Mm-hmm. I yeah. like it. Um, that's gonna be a good broadcast. I'm glad. Um. The Preds, speaking of broadcasting, renewed a deal with Bally Sports. Um, Bally Sports just has taken over. Braves are all on it. Everybody's all on it. Uh, Bally Sports is uh, here to stay, but the Preds are here to stay on uh, Bally. What do you think, Brian? 
Uh, you know, it's it's you know, this is the second or third year with Ballet Sports as they transition from Fox Sports Southeast. Mm. Um, you know, obviously, the guys that are on the broadcast and the media team, like they're employed by the by the uh, by the team. So they're you know, they don't work technically like, you know, under Ballet or Fox, you know, Fox Sports or anything. Um, so, I mean, nothing's going to change uh, as far as, you know, what we've been used to. I know people have had some issues. Um, and hopefully, you know, they, they just also announced that they've got their Bally Plus, I guess. They're, so that mm. way you don't have to have a cable service to be able to watch these games, Finally. Um, which is nice. Yeah, it's really nice. Um, and so there's that. And I think that is a you can do like monthly or annually, but it's a little pricey. So we're going to see mm. how, how it goes. Um, but it is intriguing to be able to go and not have cable. Cause that's the only reason sports. The only reason I had cable for half of last year was all of us basically. <laughs> yeah. And then as soon as the season's over, I'm like, all right, no more cable. We don't need it anymore, mm. but you know, it'll, it'll be nice. It'll be interesting to see because I think there was a little bit of, I don't know. I didn't know. It seems pretty late for them to extend their, their deal, you know, late in the season. Um, I don't know if there was a lot of negotiation or if this is just when they happened to do it, but it, it's, it's going to be interesting because there's been a little bit of backlash among the fans, um, you know, there were two or three games that, um, you know, I was at home watching because they were away and either the app didn't work or it was not streaming on on the on my TV at all uh, technical issues. And hopefully they've gotten that kind of stuff kind of ironed out a little bit. But um, we'll, we're going to see. I don't know if this is going to be if this was like a one year deal with them or not. Um But they have been, uh, you know, that's it's valid. You know, it's it's technically still the same. I guess broadcast company. I think the Fox Sports they bought it out or whatever, and so they've been with the same company since they started, since year one. Is so, the jingle stuck in y'all's head like it is for me? Like just when you spend enough time watching Preds and Braves and Hawks games on Bally, you will dream about da na na na. Like it's just it will pop. Like it's all the same, and it just it it's so just ingrained in my brain mm -hmm. now that. I, I feel like I need the continuity of like, I know what I'm watching because I hear that sound and I'm like, okay, it's either Preds, Hawks, or Braves. It's on. It's on somewhere. Mm -hmm. It's like the bat signal for uh, my television to get near it. Yeah. It's nice when you develop those little like those habits of, of certain things where it's like, it's not something that you set out to like associate, but then you're mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, you know, it's just kind of like, for whatever reason, I cannot be hungry when I'm at a game. Mm -hmm. it hits that second intermission all of a sudden i'm like man i really want pizza and it's like oh it's because they've been giving us free they've been conditioning me all year all season long to to get pizza at the second intermission it's you know one of those or you know like the, 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 yeah just hear the iconic you know you are looking live you know shot at the beginning of a college football you know there's those little things but the ballet one's funny because you i've i've gone and watched like streams from like the other Bally like affiliate stations mm -hmm. and it's all like it's the music the same the promos are the same it's just a different team that they're showing and so it's like you're it's like you walked into a house that looks just like yours but it's not yours and you're like oh like this isn't <laughs> this is weird but mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm I hope that things this 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 streaming service works out um because it's it's already you know hard enough sometimes like NHL TV back when it was run through the NHL if you lived in Nashville you'd games are blacked out and why in, in this so in the dumb. year of our, in the year of our lord 2022 why we're still doing local media blackouts for sports games is beyond me especially you would think they would take they would get rid of all the blackout rules with like you know with the pandemic like yeah don't punish people for not going to the game because one they can't afford it and two they're trying to you know not get sick like why why is that like i've got to use a vpn sometimes if i want to stream a game that i paid for 
and be like, nope, I'm not here. I'm in England. I'm Last year, the Field of Dreams game in Iowa, the Iowa fans for Chicago White Sox, there's a bunch of, bunch of Chicago fans, they could not watch the Iowa game on Fox like because of they were in Iowa and the blackout restrictions. So the like you did this whole special event and the people in the state can't even watch that game because it's the White Sox, which are a blackout team in that area. Yeah, that was the dumbest. It's a problem across the board because it happens yeah. with the NFL also. Some yeah. Weeks. Like, it, but I... My entire thing just comes down to can I have access to watching this game? That is mm. all I want. And as long as that is the case, if it can come through the streaming service, fine. Uh, hopefully it isn't too expensive. I haven't seen what it is, but um, you know what, whatever it is, and I I love the the team that they that they have on there. Uh, Mason and Donick are are really solid. Mason in particular, it's just such a likable dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and and not that not to say that as a slight to Don Connick is good has a radio show in Nashville is great guy, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah I, I just like, like Mason he just is like this like jovial Canadian bald like hilarious dude I just I love I love uh, that he's the color guy um, and so just don't take that away and I'm we're, <laughs> we're all good you know. Yeah, they're 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 really nice guy. I mean, Mason's he's yes, he's very Canadian. He is as Canadian as it gets. <laughs> Super. Uh, yeah. But he's also, you know, he's been wearing he's been wearing some some fly outfits to to games. You know, he gets that he gets that gold jacket that he wears and stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he's got the the very you know well trimmed beard mustache combination. Like he's he's got and he's a you know he's not a tall dude. He's you know not much taller than I am. Uh, but nicest both of them are just nicest guys in the world. My favorite is to watch after a game, you know, we'll be, you know, everybody's kind of filing out and he'll, st- uh, Willie will be sitting out in the, in the concourse of like a Vanderbilt games on and he gets all of a sudden it's, you know, jovial Willie Donick, you talk to you, you see him get real serious watching Vanderbilt do something. So, but I mean, it, it's, it's, it's cool. Those guys do a great job. Lindsay Riley, uh, Riley and then Kara Hammer out yeah. there and, and, you know, no Terry crisp, which is going to be interesting I to see. I, um, I will, I'll miss Chris because he, um, during one game, we were just really late leaving. We hung out and like took pictures or something. I was with my in-laws after a game, and they had just finished their broadcast. Like it was that late after the game, mm-hmm. um, and we just saw him. And we were like, "Oh man, this!" He's just standing there, just being a dude in the concourse. And we we're like, "Hey, can we take a picture?" Could not have been nicer. Super, super nice guy. Um, and yeah, so shout out to Chris, but he's gonna be gone. Dang it. Yeah. I mean, he'll still be around. I think he's still there. Him and his family are still staying in town and they're going to be doing some stuff uh, that 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 retirement ceremony at the end of last season was was a little rough. It was a little rough to watch. You know, it's I didn't quite get as upset as I did when when Pekka played his last game. Oh, but uh, yeah, it was it was something. It's something else. But I, I'm excited. We'll see how the team goes. We'll see, you know, what who they bring in to kind of fill in that spot from Crispy, and and it'll, it'll be good. I'm, I'm I'm excited. I'm just need it back very badly. Yes, come on, let's go. Let's play some hockey. That's my yeah. mo at the moment. There you go. Um, couple things around NHL. Uh, Montreal signs a, a certain guy named Kirby, not of the red and black variety, folks. So. Breathe, breathe, Tennessee fans. It's not, no, it's the it's the uh, pink video game guy. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, what do you make about the the Canadians signing here, Brian? Uh, yeah. So I mean, Kirby Doc has been a long time in in Chicago. That team mm. up north. Um, last season, 
70 games, nine goals, 26 points, not necessarily kind of what you would expect. He's a guy that I think they had higher expectations for. Um, I think it's a pretty good signing for Montreal. I think this now puts them $10 million over the cap, which, mm. which if you've been, you know, know anything about Montreal, you know, th- that's not a problem because once again, Carey Price, you know, this all, all world goaltender goal is probably going to be on long-term IR. And so that his 10 and a half or $11 million cap hit will disappear from the books and he probably won't play again at all this season. Um, so, I mean, it'll be, it's interesting, but they're, you know, Montreal's, they're kind of, they're going for it. They're getting these guys, I think four years at 3.3 million, not, not bad, not a bad deal, but you'd like to see this guy turn the corner. Cause he obviously just kind of has struggled. He hit that point a couple seasons back and started to look, you know, fairly good, but just hasn't really put it together since then. Now it could, a change of scenery could be, you know, what he needs, but you know, we'll, we'll see. It's a, it's not a bad signing at all. It's a, it's a good cheap deal for them um, on a younger player and, and, you know, it'll be good. It's, it's nice because I've, I kind of liked, always liked Kirby Doc's game, but it's hard when you're like, I don't want to like, I don't want to like a Blackhawk, you know, like uh, Alex DeBrincat's the same way. I really like watching him play, but it's hard because I just don't want anything good to happen to that team. And so, you know, you're like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to cheer, cheer him on too much. Cause he might ha- actually help them win. So I, do I don't know. know. Are you a believer in Montreal going into next year? No. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. No, they're getting they're getting back. It's really weird to think about how they went from being in the cup final two years ago to being kind of hot trash last season that quickly. Um, you know, it's funny to watch these Canadian teams. You know, they'll get that little bit of success. They'll get to the cup finals and then just they blow up for whatever reason, you know, like Toronto, like uh yeah it's it's nice i you know i wouldn't mind being a media member to cover the the, the maple leafs just for the fact that i get a nice long summer vacation every year so <laughs> uh, truly how how is it possible i would this is what i was gonna say just now like montreal is a perfect example of just this curse over the entirety of canada they be- mm. they created this sport i mean it is their deal from top to bottom like they live and breathe it and they cannot win a cup to save their life how long has it been has it been since like the 90s oh gosh yeah it's been quite a while let's see here. it's insane uh, yeah, it's, the, well what's the canada drought now the canada drought's pretty it's pretty rough let's see here so we've got i want to say i think the 90s is right but it may have been early 2000s um we've got because the maple leafs haven't won a series since the 90s right yeah, mm-hmm. Canadians won in 1993. With, wow. Yeah, uh, the coach was the Barry Melrose. <laughs> so, I love that. Yeah, and then before that was 90. Like Then, you know, like the late 80s was Edmonton, Montreal, Edmonton, yeah. Calgary, Edmonton. Some guy, some yeah. dude. Yeah, he's fine. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just so funny because they, they absolutely dominate the sport and they just can't their franchises and it like it, it would be fine if it was just Toronto like okay mm-hmm. Toronto is sort of this almost meme at this point the way that they can't win in the first round and they're just it's, better like they're doing everything right like it, there's yes. just something wrong like Kyle, I mean, what is us just thinking about all this it's like they're the best yeah. like everyone just assumes this is going to keep happening what else are you supposed to do other than assemble one of the best teams in the NHL year over year and it just doesn't matter yeah stack team and they still mm. can't get it figured out you had you know the last few years ago when the predators were hot you had winnipeg they couldn't uh even get to the final i mean it was just it is never vancouver's been a disaster of late they they did i guess what they made the final 
yep, years 20, ago. 2011, like, the Sabines. Yeah. But still, like, it's honestly, it's hilarious because I just, you know, mm. Canada is just a funny country in general. What you, I guess what the the path is just keep maybe move the coyotes to Canada. Just keep uh, adding maybe. teams to Canada and eventually one of them will break through. <laughs> just keep moving them north. Yeah. Um, goodness gracious. Move the move the coyotes. What I like to doing? I like to mess with with my my Canadian colleagues and telling them, you know, until until last year, obviously with Colorado, but just being like, hey, you know. You guys, you know, hockey is obviously like a sport that we just, you know, we excel at. We kind of, you know, hockey's big in the South and, you know, hopefully it'll make it up to you guys too. And you guys will be good too. Because maybe you know, one day, maybe one Tampa, day. you know, Tampa and Colorado. Call, you know, they used to call, you know, DC used to be kind of the South. You know, you got your. You oh, DC is not the South. We're not doing well, DC as the South. I was someone who told me Baltimore is the South, not telling us. Like, that's not the South. Baltimore, DC, not the South. Can't DC do it. does. I, it is certainly not the South, I will say. But during the summer, it's just a musty swamp. It feels a little Southern. I, I mean, I'll do you put Kentucky one. in the South? Yeah. Uh, Louisville is Midwestern to me. Lexington okay. is the South. Interesting. If that makes sense. So I, I will do this is a really quick, you know, yeah. uh, thing related to this. But why I said that about D.C. being the South, mm. um, you know, the history of how the Dallas Cowboys got their team, got the team in the NFL, right? So back then they were, they applied for tech Shram applied for a, an NFL franchise, mm-hmm. but um, the guy, and I cannot remember his name who owned the, the Washington team, mm-hmm. um, the Washington football team, the commanders, I guess he didn't want any other Southern. Cause he was the only, he was the southernmost team. And like, he had all the fans like in the South were basically watching Washington because they were the most Southern team. And so they, he was the, like a lone member. It had to be unanimous, but he was the lone member who said, no, Dallas can't have a franchise. Mm-hmm. So tech Shram went back and Washington has a fight song. Mm. I have a fight song and the um, copyright or whatever ran out. So tech Shram bought the fight song and said, if you want to play your fight song at, ho- at football games, you're going to have to give me the franchise. And so he's like, because you can't be the only team in the South. So they gave Dallas the franchise. They gave him the, the song back. And that's why I always think about when they say, like, people say DC is the South. I'm like, yeah, well, because some racist owner of the of the of the Washington team, they uh, they they tried to try to keep them out. And now look at them. So now yeah, they're crumbling in pieces, too, like just like uh, Chicago. Huh. The more you know. Yeah. But anyways. But you, I just like to make fun I of the Canadians because we're good at that. We're, you, you know, still have uh, Skip out there tweeting, emotionally tweeting about how they're going to make the Super Bowl this year, the Cowboys there. Skip, Skip's, uh, as always, he's on one. Um, but, mm-hmm. the, yeah, it's pretty funny with them, too. Like, my, my cousins, they all live in the, the DFW area, and they're, you know, big Cowboy fans, and I love to just, you know. Oh, yeah, it's day. fun. Well, you know, you'll, you'll make it back some, someday you'll win more playoff games. And, you know, <laughs> I could, I mean, I, it's, it's kind of why I empathize a little bit with Maple Leafs fans, just because like, that's their, you know, it's like, you've got the Yankees in baseball and you've got, you know, you've got the Cowboys in football where it's just like, they, they've got a huge fan base and stuff, but that also means you've got a huge fan base where there's a lot more people who are just certifiably insane about it. And so, you know, it's, it is fun. It's fun. Like I've, I've grown to the point where, you know, I will make the jokes about the Cowboys before anybody else does, just because, you know, nobody can hate them. Like I hate them, even though I love them. (laughs) So (laughs) exactly. But yeah, but enough about that. I like it. I like it. Well, last thing quickly, Ottawa also had a pretty interesting signing. What do you uh, think about this one? Uh, Uh, 
Yeah, it's awesome deal. Uh, eight years, eight and a half million dollars for Tim Stutzel, um, guy out of Germany who dominated over in the DEL for a little bit before he came over with Ottawa. Uh, Twenty-two goals last season and fifty-eight points. It's not bad at all. Um, he's been extremely good. He shot at twelve and a half percent last season. So a lot of that probably was just having a having a hot hand. But you know, there in Ottawa, Ottawa was not you know a super great team. But this is a guy that is going to. 100% be like a, a cornerstone for that team going into the future. And Ottawa has drafted pretty well the last couple of years. Uh, you know, they've, you know, Dorian being out, I think helps with that. Um, uh, but he's, he, they've, they've done a really good job and they've got some really good up and coming kids. And so to be able to get a guy like Stutzel kind of early on and get him, lo you know, locked into eight and a, eight and a half is a lot, but you know, it's going to be a lot cheaper here in like four or five years that, you know, he it would have been like ten, two, three million dollars more if they wanted to sign him two or three years from now. And so um, great deal for them. Eight and a half. You know, it's not not an insignificant amount of money. That's for sure. But he's a guy that definitely definitely deserves it. He's one of those that just really I'm not a huge guy on, on prospects, especially if they're not a Preds prospect. But he's you can't help but watch him when you when when auto plays and it's kind of cool to see that you know auto is that team that they have you know if you look at the list of guys that they've had over the years you know they had you know they have kyle turris they had uh matt duchene they had um you know eric carlson like just these huge things you know and of course there was a couple years ago where well three or four years ago when there were a whole bunch of the ottawa senators players got caught on video in a uh, taxi uh talking God, talking bad like about the team yes. yeah yes the, it was the inspiration for my maybe my, the dumbest story i've ever written where i wrote i wrote about the best taxi squads in history and it was just about mm. movies and tv shows that had taxis in them and then that one just to make that joke mm -hmm. you know yeah i talked about the cast of the the, the show taxi the movie with queen latifah you know but <laughs> i forgot <laughs> I like, they had that wasn't that heard. jimmy fallon in that too he, it was yeah yeah it was God. the one where it was like yeah, it was Tom Brady's wife was in that movie too. Was Giselle in that? Yeah, it's a bad movie. Don't that watch it if you haven't movie. seen it. I that was a really bad movie. Um, but anyways, yeah. So it's it's it, yeah. These guys are are you know Stutzel's really good, and I'm just mm. it's it's a no brainer signing. You know they should have done it. They got it done. Awesome. Let's see how he does. Yeah, good good for Ottawa for actually doing something seemingly good. They don't do that. <laughs> Almost just, ever. So just one give, other just give Canadian it time. team that we're just not in <laughs> yeah. any real uh, possibility of winning the Stanley Cup anytime soon. Well, they, another I mean, one were, of those teams. They were another one thinking about Montreal. They were another one. They made it to the when the year the Predators made the Cup. They played in the the conference finals. Um, yeah, I was convinced. I was convinced they were going to win. Yep. It was yeah. um oh their goaltender back then. It was it was um it came down to a game seven final goal in that series. I remember watching it. Like it yeah, was, it was. I thought I thought that's who Nashville was going to play, and I thought they uh, would have they would have beaten them for sure. Uh, also, yes, but yeah, no, it's good. But we're getting to now. Like, there's only a handful of free agents left out there. Um, Nashville again, you know, Evan Rodriguez is just sitting out there at a value. You can go get him. I know we talk about him every week, but he's a great player. Good guy, and for cheap. Yeah, I love him a lot. So go out there and go pod when that happens eventually. Exactly right. I'll be standing outside of Bridgestone at you know noon on a Thursday, just being like, "Yeah, I'm here. I don't see him, but I'm here." So mm -hmm. there you go, uh, Brian. What can the good folks check out from you at On the Forecheck uh, this week? 
yeah, we're continuing our, our preview series. So we'll have some more coming up. I think uh, I can't, I'm going to be honest. I don't remember what the next one is I have up for next week. So I got to get on that one. Um, and we've got, you know, Renegades of Puck. They've, they're going to be doing their, their picnic uh, in se- late September on the 24th in Mount Juliet, Charlie Daniels Park. I think it's 23rd, actually. I apologize. Um, make sure you guys get out there. Free, family friendly. There'll be food, all kinds of stuff. We've got some sponsors on board. So make sure you guys head out there. That'll be a great time. Um, there's, uh, we're going to be opening up. We're going to be calling for riders over at on the four check. Um, since, since Charlie's folks stole one of them from us, um, which no, it's okay. Sean's awesome. You guys will be great. And, uh, but we'll have that. And then that I might have some other things up my sleeve coming up for the season. So nothing I can talk about yet, but hopefully we can, we can, we'll let y'all know soon. So there you go. I like it. I like it. Charlie, what about you? A to Z sports? What can the good folks check out from you? Uh, this week, uh, I'm going to go ahead and guesstimate that there might be something at like six o'clock ish, six thirty on Saturday with you and a certain Tennessee former quarterback. Um, I don't know. There's nothing no? going on. No, yeah. there's nothing going on. Yeah, it's you and uh, Brent Schaefer, right? Oh, Ooh. man. If only it was Brent Schaefer. I wonder where that guy is nowadays. That's a good question. Uh, I have not said. Oh, man. Yeah. Old Miss Tennessee legend Brent Schaefer. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Tennessee's football that's that's my uh, my main gig me jonathan crompton halftime post game during every tennessee game this season on a to z sports social medias youtube twitch facebook uh we live stream there at halftime post game um his analysis is uh amazing he did it this past week you you can go watch it on a to z sports youtube channel if you have missed that he gives a prediction for the pit game um and obviously we'll be doing it during the pit game and uh the big orange podcast on mondays with me and zach reagan and i know brian doesn't want to let the cat out of the bag here he said he has some stuff in the works um he's being tapped to be the new coach of the predators they finally they've they've given in to my requests for mm-hmm. a new coach and brian is the guy they just said. like they say on twitter the, ner- the nerds are ruining hockey with their numbers and their stats and now they're gonna install one as this head coach what what garbage what garbage but i mean hey you know i'm from the south where hockey was created so you know exactly <laughs> i know you're, you're fine you're too, you're people too do forget humble to let that out there lived um, in tampa yeah yeah and you'll you'll be hearing about that in the next you know couple of days uh maximum so yeah no and that He's hey fun. and I'm, I'm looking forward to you uh you know being with the pride of the southland and opening the tee doing the strut down the tee you know too i will be We're, there yeah that's him so <laughs> no make sure you watch i watched last week's on uh, i watched the youtube of it and it was very 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 good um it's cool too because i'm like i know him like i know that guy and it's i appreciate that yeah no i was like i know that charlie so no make sure you guys go do that and um i'm trying to be i'm going to trying to find a nice way to say this but eat it pit yeah <laughs> eat it um trying to be nice i've got a lot of friends who are west virginia fans who are a little disappointed um but you know we kind of have that brotherhood with west virginia fans where it's just like yeah we're, we're hillbilly teams and you know we've got teams that we have to deal with and it's i don't know i like i like west virginia i hope i wish they could have they could have pulled that out but we'll be oh, i think i think we got pit we'll try to exact revenge on their behalf that's, that's 38 34 tennessee i said Ooh. what 38 28 was my Okay. My prediction, we'll see. Mine was 45-24. Wow. That is Tennessee, obviously. 21. Yeah. We, have, we have just fully triple jinxed the theme now. So. I just, yeah. I'm not concerned. The Florida one, I'm way more, like, I'll be losing yeah. my mind in kneeling for that one. But I'm just not as concerned based on what we saw in this. I think the pit offensive line is going to be rough. Their right tackle spot's in trouble. 
the ball at all and they really want to run the ball, they're going to be down. I don't think this team can play from behind. And then Tennessee will always play from a lead. Like the first quarter, we are the number one first quarter team in this country for a reason. And I just, <laughs> if they're up 17 nothing after the first, I, I just don't think Pitt can handle it. And I think Tennessee's defense will let them back in and the cushion from Warren Burrell 10 yards out will allow Pitt to uh, drive down the field a little bit and score some points. But I just, I don't see it. I, I, I don't see it. Or Tim Banks was playing the long game last week. And mm. He all press coverage this week. Nothing, uh, you know, and just he he purposefully didn't rush the quarterback with the defensive ends last week. He's it's all it's a head game, baby. You know, well, it's just like Ball State. It's like he didn't have to do any of that. We didn't have to show our cards, so it's just really hard to take anything. Like he didn't have to do anything <laughs> exotic last week to just bury it. Really him, so. could be that. I like yeah. that's the thing. It really could. Be. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm excited. Uh, it'll be a fun weekend of college football, NFL back as well. Just uh, apologies to all of our significant others on all the things that you would like for us to do other than watch football, because that uh, we'll see you in February. Charlie, <laughs> right. Ryan, thank you as always. And uh, I will talk to you all not next week because I will be gone. Uh, yeah, you've got something important, at, right? I am getting married next weekend, so I am gone from Friday Best on uh but we'll be not for weeks on end but just for that week uh, i will be away where but, where's the, where's the honeymoon i thought you were about to ask okay but is this a bit calling back to what you did last week on the yeah, podcast charlie i, I want to make sure that people if they happen <laughs> to be in that place they can try to find you like, say the exact hotel and honestly the hotel mm -hmm. number, if you know it well so we're doing two honeymoons because like i'm still in grad school and uh with everything we've got going on we can't go away for the full week um mm -hmm. yep. so we would rather not just half-ass the honeymoon where we want to go out of the country uh, in the fall so we're going to go out of the country to the beach in the spring uh, when I'm done and everything, but we're doing a mini one in Asheville. So we got a cottage uh, really up there in the mountains of Asheville. Uh, cool. Secluded cottage. Like it's on a vineyard and cool, nice. pond, wild turkeys, bears, hopefully. And uh, cool. it's going to be fun, man. <laughs> I'm excited. Awesome. There you go. So there, folks, if you're in Asheville, uh, now you down. know. Yeah. Yeah. If you see uh, a man just walking around with a just married T-shirt and just the biggest ring and trying to get used to having this thing around his finger uh, for days on end, like that's a it's gonna be a weird thing. Just yeah, ring please on. don't please don't bother him though. If you see him staring at like a blank computer screen and like an invisible microphone, he's just talking to himself. He needs it. Just you joke about that, Brian, but I am terrified. I have never gone this much like from the time I will not be working on Friday to when I get back on Wednesday night, I've never gone that long without being productive and doing the pod and doing anything like I'm going to I am terrified at how I'm going to be uh, for those days. Like it's it's going to be a fascinating time. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, shoot, that's good for you on that, because like I did good, good four and a half years of being non-productive when I was in <laughs> Knoxville. So <laughs> good, there good you for go. you, man. But yeah, no, it's it. Congratulations. We're all excited for you. Um, I hope yeah. they do go find you and shower you with gifts and things. Yes. Um, I know there's a huge chase chase fan base, you know, all over. So especially Asheville, man. It's one of my favorites. Like Asheville's yeah. just such a beautiful, great food. Charlie, it's like a, it's a great food spot. Hit up, um, hit up my Karate. dog really wants to go out. Kalise the dog, it's losing your mind. Um, say it again. Hit it, if you've never been to Karate in downtown, at C U R A T E, it's Spanish tapas. It's on. The oh yeah, yeah, yes, that's on our list. Yeah, yes, nice. If you don't have a reservation, it's gonna be tough. But yes, because we've tried yeah. before and it was booked up. Not yeah, we've tried Karate before, so that I'll call and make it. 
Make it done. Khaleesi the dog is ready for this podcast to wrap up so I can take her on a quick walk. So I will talk to y'all in two weeks. Yes, sir. Be well. And uh, go balls. Go balls. Go friends. <laughs>